You're listening to Podcateers. Welcome to episode 337 of Podcateers. This week, we're excited to welcome Marco Paulos to the show. Marco is the co-founder of Fat Cat Swinger, Hollywood's little big band, which many of you may have had the opportunity to listen to while at Disneyland or at Disney California Adventure. They've played the Saturday night shows in the Princess Fantasy Fair. They've played in the Festival of Holidays. Uh, Their shows are always super high energy and just really, really fun. Uh, I've known Marco now for a few years, but this was really the first opportunity that I've had to have an extended talk with him about the origins of his love for music, his career, and this year while the parks have been closed and he's been unable to tour, he's been on a different journey. Marco tells us about how he gave himself permission to go beyond the comfort zone he's been in for the last 18 years to explore different facets of his love of music, which are now leading to the release of his first solo album in early 2021. Uh, It was a really great and fun talk that I hope can inspire you to make a positive change in your life. Uh, also, make sure to check out the blog post for this episode at podcateers.com slash 337 to check out some of Fat Cat Swinger's performances, including a cover of Pure Imagination that we talk about in this episode. If you want to follow Marco, you can find him on Instagram. He's at the Marco Palos. That's T-H-E-M-A-R-C-O-P-A-L-O-S. You can also find him on Facebook or at MarcoPalos.com. You can also follow Fat Cat Swinger on Facebook or Instagram. Just search for Fat Cat Swinger. Remember, that's P-H-A-T-C-A-T-S-W-I-N-G-E-R. Or by going to FatCatSwinger.com. All of those links will be available in the blog post for this episode. Before we begin, I'd like to say thank you to everyone that has been donating to our cast member virtual food drive. Over the years, so many cast members have provided us with so much magic that this is just a small way for us to say thank you and to repay some of that magic during these difficult times. Every dollar donated is the equivalent of up to three meals. And so far with your help, we've been able to provide almost 1500 meals. If you would like more information or want to help, you can go to teamboatwilly.com. Super easy to remember because it's just like Steamboat Willie, but without the S. Or feel free to drop us a message on Facebook or Instagram. We'll be happy to answer any questions that you might have. To everyone that's donated or shared our food drive info, thank you for spreading the magic. Finally, before we start the episode, I'd like to send a special thank you to the FGP squad, aka our podcast fairy godparents, because it's their monthly support via Patreon that help make these episodes of Podcateers possible. Being part of the FGP squad family gets you some additional perks like access to our monthly happy hour calls, additional discounts on gear, uh, sometimes additional content. So if you would like more information on how you can become part of the FGP squad family, you can go to podcateers.com FGP. And as always, a very special thank you to the FGP squad for their continued support. So that's going to wrap it up for the intro. Once again, thank you to Marco for his time and for opening up and sharing the journey that he's on. Thank you all for listening. 
Here is episode 337 of Podcateers. All right, well, I'm super excited about today's episode because you may know our guest as the front man for Fat Cat Swinger, who's the little big band with a West Coast sound that brings a style, class, and charisma and the explosive energy to the stage. That explosive energy comes primarily from Marco Palos, who's joining us today. Marco, Welcome to the podcast, man. It's wonderful to have you. Hey, <laughs> thank you so much for having me. It's wonderful to be here tonight. Man, I'm so excited uh, to talk to you because the Fat Cat Swinger uh, Christmas album that you guys put out, the From mm. All of Us to All of You, it's, uh-huh. it's in my Christmas rotation, man. I love it. Yes. Uh, there are times <laughs> where uh, you've seen me out there with my gimbal recording your performances, mm-hmm. uh, you know, hopefully... I'm not infringing on any copyright by posting it on our YouTube mm. channel. It's all good. It's all good. <laughs> but uh, yeah, man, I I remember years ago when my friend Jill, uh, our mutual friend Jill, had told me, mm-hmm. man, there is this band. You have to hear it at California Adventure. I was like, what type of music are they? She's like, it's swing music. I was like, shut up. And, and from then, it was a match made in heaven. Uh, every time you guys perform, I've always done my best to go out and watch you guys. You guys bring the energy. You guys are just so fantastic. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm kind of gushing. I'm sorry. I don't want to make you blush <laughs> you, or anything, brother. But, I mean, you guys are great. I'll tell you, I'm, I'm proud of the musicians I get to work with. It's been a journey that's been 18 years in the making, you know, still. Um, and... It, it it is because we find musicians who believe in what uh, the vision that I've believed in, and they they see it, they hear the music, and when they when they witness it, and they're in the moment, and they're like, ah, okay, because you'll get sometimes a musician. Most musicians are trained to read music and basically be you know be super precise about a lot of things and nowadays i feel like they're teaching more and more about performing with passion and and you know kind of getting beyond the music but um we have we have found a great group of musicians and those are the guys and gals who bring it to life on stage uh you know visually you know with the with the nice suits and everything and and that's one of those things when we have a budget we try to buy at least an outfit or two for everybody um, but otherwise, it's it's the music that uh, we wrote, uh, that I wrote many years ago. You know, some of the other guys have written. Sean O'Kelly has arranged. And um, all of that come together with everybody's belief in what we're doing and seeing it happen. And what the end result is, is what continues to bring that to life and makes it fresh every time. And that is one thing that I've appreciated about watching you, that every time I've seen your sets... And primarily because every time we've seen you perform, you're doing it at the Festival of Holidays. So I'm assuming that Disney primarily wants you to do certain songs. And it's a good half-hour show. One thing that I've realized is that 
each one is slightly different than the last because you pick up on the energy of the audience and you feel them out and you seem to punctuate certain parts of songs at different places to get them to get on board with you. Yeah. And I've always appreciated that about how you guys perform, that it always feels fresh, even though I almost know your exact set every single time. <laughs> yeah, I tell you, like, it, it always starts in the rehearsal process. And the rehearsal process is very, very, hey, guys, at the very, very minimum, know the show exactly as it's supposed to go. Once you know what we're supposed to do, as long as it remains family-friendly and and it doesn't uh, make the show longer or shorter, because everything's on a very, very tight schedule at Disney, um, as long as it doesn't do that, you are welcome to do whatever you'd like, whatever you feel, whatever you vibe off of, whatever band member is on stage. That's why I love having the variety of uh, guys and gals we have on stage. We've got over 30 musicians that, you know, you'll see at any, uh, not at any given time, you'll only see nine or 10. But, um, you know, within a week, you might actually see all 30. You might only see 15 of them. But the chemistry that one person brings in, uh, they just vibe slightly different with someone else. And there's like a certain either comedy or, or you know, brotherly rivalry that happens. My my favorites are between when when uh, when Lakshmi and Douglas are on stage. It is hilarious. I almost can't play the show because these guys are like like two two rivalry siblings in the best way. I mean this, you know, like and they're one upping each other, and it is hilarious to see what happens because I literally do not know what's going to happen. It's beyond. I know that we're going to do what we've rehearsed, but beyond that, it is a surprise to even me on that day and I, I don't know what's gonna happen <laughs> that's fantastic so before we continue getting into how you guys perform how you guys met how you started let's go back to a young marco palos <laughs> okay where did your love for music come from like was it something that came through a family lineage was it something you learned in school well uh it really came from my family like my mom she loved the big band stuff uh, with my mom, we listened to a lot of AM radio. With my dad, he loved a lot of the classics, uh, classic, you know, uh, I would say whatever was pop at the time. So everything from the Beatles to, you know, Rick Astley and, and uh, you know, Journey and, and all, the, all the things from the 70s, 80s, uh, and 90s that were really popular. And he stayed pretty current with music. Whatever was hot at the time, he would have singles and cassette tapes or whatever it was uh, and I would listen to them uh, so I really dug into his collection and then I started building my own back in the day if you remember BMG you know you get yeah. those, those like 20 albums for like 79 cents or something mm -hmm. that's how I started building my CD collection and I would just like get everything and I I just listened to anything and everything and I also had you know my grandma from my mom's side who um, when I grew up with my parents uh, with my mom, then we, um, my grandma would play her guitar every night and I'd get to hear her and ha that's an old, you know, Spanish style campo music. They say, you yeah. know, like, uh, just beautiful hearing her singing and playing the guitar. And then whenever my aunt was visiting, they'd harmonize and sing together. So, and then my mom would sing with her too. Um, and not that anybody ever made a living off of it. It was just something they loved to do. So music was definitely around me the entire time growing up. And then it was when I was in the fifth grade that uh, I got my, I actually wanted to play saxophone. And in the sixth grade was when my parents were able to save up for one and get me one. So that was when the journey on the saxophone began in the sixth grade. And it took me through, 
you know, middle school, high school, college, basically up until now, it's been my, my, I guess, guess you could say it's my moneymaker, my, my, my key that took me around the world, you know, uh, it's been quite a blessing and a journey and lots of fun. Right on, man. What other instruments do you play? Well, um, I've got like, uh, the piano, the guitars, the bass, drums, I diddle daddle a little bit with uh you know violin trumpet ukulele clarinet um i don't i wouldn't say that i perform any of those public the only ones i would probably perform in public are bass guitar and piano sax maybe drums if i had to but i'd have to practice a little bit more um drums is one of those things that if you want to have a nice steady tempo you got to keep that you got to keep that going you know um so like i i play drums maybe i don't know uh, maybe 10, 15, 20% of the year, <laughs> if that. And then, uh, but the sax, you know, that's been a part of me for so long that I feel like it's speaking another language that I'm familiar with, you know. Um, and then guitar, piano, I write a lot of music on. Um, but those are those are my main instruments. So when you're composing, do you compose primarily on the piano and then translate to the sax? Or do you start with the sax knowing what you want that big band sound to be before you move it to other instruments a lot of it varies it depends on the song uh if i think back to the early days um i'll give you an example smoly Olioli. that song began on my alto sax i was in the room i was playing some riffs i was mimicking a lot of my uh favorite uh swing bands at this at the time and then I heard this riff, and I was like, oh, that's a cool riff. And then that's kind of became the riff of Smolioli-Oli. Um, when I wrote our th- title song, Fat Cat Swinger, that one I wrote it on the piano. Um, but the funny thing is, on the original recording, there is, I don't think there is piano. No, maybe there is. Actually, there is piano. Um, some songs begin on the guitar. It just really depends. Every song, you know, makes its way to me in its own way. And it, it it's it's... At any given moment, I always say that when whenever a song comes to me, it's almost like a portal opens up from above of inspiration, and it hits me, and it either gives it all to me at once, or it gives me a piece of it, and then I got to figure the rest out, and um, and it's it is honestly so different with every song. Sometimes I'll be in the car singing, and I'll quickly turn on my voice memo and be like, "Oh, that's an idea. That's an idea." And so uh, every every one of them is different in their own way. That's cool. Yeah. I love the fact that inspiration kind of comes anywhere or from anything because it's the same thing with artists, right? You never know where that little spark is going to come from. Like for me with doing the t-shirt designs that we sell on Mm -hmm. our website, personally, I've been wanting to create designs that have nothing to do with the Podcateers logo because we Uh have a lot of, you know, things that look like other things, but they say Podcateers on it. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because I'll be watching a TV commercial or my kids will say something. It's like, oh, that could be a T-shirt. And I'll just quickly jot down a note. So I know exactly what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. So selfishly, I have to ask you where Dance, Dance, Dance comes from because Ooh, of your catalog. Right. <laughs> that's probably the one that Spotify's like, dude, you have to stop playing this and move on to other songs. <laughs> they have more songs in the catalog. <laughs> well, okay. So this song goes back to, gosh, I want to say... The music came to me back in 2004, believe it or not. Um, 
And it started with just that opening riff. Yes. <laughs> and so that that's what first came to me. And I just I just pictured like this big bang opening and da 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 and I was like okay and and so I just kind of the whole song actually came to me before the lyrics did and then we were writing our second album and practicing in my garage it was probably about 2006 now two years later and I was like guys I got this song I wrote a couple years ago let's try it out and so we're I print out the pieces of what I had written so far and then I, th I think I even have a recording of the rehearsal somewhere. I've got so many things archived. It's so fun. Um, but we're, we're listening and we're playing and then we start learning it. And we just played it like I don't, time after time after time after time. And finally, the, the singer at the time, Tim Porter, he starts, he starts working on the lyrics. And he says, strutting through the door, all dressed up to the nines. And we're like, oh, that's cool. That's cool. And then uh, we wanted to make the chorus. And believe it or not, I got to... Uh, give a, a credit to do you remember that um oh i think the song is sunday morning by maroon five you know, baby, morning, all rain all is falling. yeah yeah right and then you got the chorus well those chord changes i was like i love those chord changes so i borrowed those chord changes brought them into the key of the song we were in and I was like, okay, cool. Everybody borrows from inspiration, you know? And so then we turned it into it. And then suddenly one of the guys was like, oh, we could play this over it. And then we're like, oh, that kind of sounds like Fly Me to the Moon. And we're like, okay, let's change it just a little bit. Because, you know, ours goes dun, 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 dun. And theirs goes dun, 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 <laughs> You know, if you know that reference, Vanilla Ice and David Bowie there. But uh, we're like, okay, if it's just different enough, it, it's still classic. It still fits the song that we're doing. And gosh, darn it, that's how the song was born back then. We just kind of, it started with this idea that I kind of wrote out on the computer. And then we borrowed from Maroon 5. Then we borrowed from, you know, Frank Sinatra and, you know, all these people. And we're like, that is uh, what makes our, 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 our song what it is. It's the inspirations of, of what we have. And, and I could actually probably mention, I could probably go down our list of songs and say, yeah, that was influenced by this. That was influenced by that. Because uh, everything is like for Swing, our first album and our second album, everything was like, I want to write something kind of like this, but I want to make it our own. And I want to, you know, have the essence of Big Bad Voodoo Daddy, but not be Big Bad Voodoo Daddy. I want to have yeah. the essence of the Brian Setzer Orchestra, but not be the Setzer Orchestra. I want to have the essence of all the greats, Bobby Darin, Frank Sinatra, uh, Cab Calloway, and so on, but not be them. And that is how we developed our sound and that's kind of the same way that I developed my saxophone playing as well. I took from my favorite, the, my favorite things from my favorite players. And then I just kind of made it all into this melting pot of what became the way that Marco on sax plays. That's awesome. I love that because I've, I've done similar things with things that I do in my life, right? Like the podcast, for instance, I've taken elements of other podcasts that I've enjoyed during the years and I've integrated those elements to build out how we podcast, what it mm -hmm. sounds like, the structure, and it's evolved over time. It's nothing like it was episode one and now 330 plus episodes in, it's vastly different than when we started. Oh, yeah. But 
before, like when I would do magic, for instance, I'm, I'm a huge magic nerd. I love card magic. And there's always those rules, right? Like you were talking about earlier that you learn it the way that it's supposed to be, but then right. you put your own flavor on it. Exactly. It's how you present it that really makes it yours. And that's the beauty of art. Like all the art is anything, whether it's your t-shirts or your podcast or our music or our songs, you see it and hear it a certain way and only you can present it that way. So that is the beauty of, of it. And we can, we can do covers all day long and that's fine, but you might add your own flair to a cover, which is one of the thing I love about mm -hmm. Fat Cat Swinger cover songs is that we add our own flair to the way that we want to do a Frank Sinatra song or a Frankie Valley song or anything else. And, um, and that is what makes it unique. And I think we should all be encouraged to do that and know that that's eventually how you find your own sound. Yeah. And it definitely comes through with how you perform because I remember, the first time I heard you guys perform Pure Imagination, <laughs> I felt like I was in the 1930s in some club just deep inside of a theater somewhere listening to this. And I felt like it was just being performed for five to ten people. But there was like 50, 60 people there crowded up in front of you. Yeah. And it was just such a magical experience listening to you and then watching everyone around us just I almost entranced because it's such a yeah. beautiful song to begin with, but that crooner style that you put to it just took it to a different level. And again, it's just really what I love about how you guys perform. Thank you. I got I got to give credit to our guy Curtis Perry, our last singer. He was the one who made the arrangement for that, and uh, it was it was at a Disney meeting. We were having a creative meeting on how to create the Christmas show, and we're like, what do we get? Uh, what are you guys going to do to make your Christmas show just a little different? Can you include some not Christmas songs, but that they feel within the Christmas spirit? And we're like, yeah, actually, there's a couple songs we have in mind. And Pure Imagination has been one that we wanted to do. Sean O'Kelly wanted to do the arrangement. And he's like, he had he has had this like vision for, I don't know, six, eight months already. And he's like, I just, it's, it's on the it's on the to do list. It's not done yet. And then Curtis is like, guys, guys, can I please do this one? I, I got a great idea for it. Can I do it? And we're like, all right, okay, cool. Uh, you know, make it work. It's going to be in this part of the show. And so then um, he came back and we were like, okay, this is cool. And we made we made a couple edits because we, we also, when you're performing at Disney, you got to keep in mind, you want to, you got, the show's got to keep moving and keep everybody uh, there and present and connected. So we kind of like shortened it just by like, I don't know, 30 seconds to a minute. And suddenly it became what everybody hears now today when we perform yeah. it. And that, that, that magic came there. And I almost, I still even once in a while will get the, the chills on my arms, tears in my eyes when that moment happens in the show. Cause we, we, that's that moment that we connect. It's like, this isn't a Christmas song and it isn't a Disney song. But we found a way to tie in the imagination side of it to Disney and being there. And it's when, once you hear the glockenspiel, bing, boom, boom, mm -hmm. and it's like, oh, and, and everyone is like, my favorite thing is when you just hear in the audience, it's like, <gasps> and people realize what it is. And sometimes they don't realize it happens at different times. Some people recognize it as soon as the glockenspiel. Other people recognize it. Come with me and you'll be. And it's like, oh. <gasps> Oh, and then and it's like everyone, and then you see tears, you see just happiness, you see people coming together. It's beautiful, man. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely one of my favorite things that you perform. Uh, if you haven't seen the performance, we have a video of it on our YouTube channel. 
go to the blog post for this episode, podcasters.com slash 337, and I'll embed the video there for you to watch it. It's a fantastic performance piece. It's just so emotional when you watch it. It You have to watch it to believe it. Um, <laughs> when you're performing and you're putting these shows together, first of all, does Disney ever... Uh, like, do you have trouble bringing in a song that's non-Disney, such as Pure Imagination, or uh, outside of, you know, songs not having bad language in it? What type of restrictions do you have when you're putting a show like that together? I don't know what it's like for other bands, but we have not had any trouble bringing in any song that we want. Um, we, at the beginning of, before every festival ever begins, you go through the contracting process, and... Uh, during that process, you have to submit your set list, and then it goes through through the legal team. Once the legal team approves it, anything on that list can be performed. Um, so from original songs to cover songs, the catch is it has to be registered with some sort of performing artists, uh, performing uh, rights organization, PRO. So like ASCAP or BMI, CSAC, any of those. As long as it is registered and they can pay the royalties to whoever wrote or published that song because every music venue believe it or not should have uh, should be paying licensing uh to uh, there, there's supposed to be some sort of fee that they pay if there are any cover bands or original bands unless they only play original bands um, but every venue is supposed to do that and disney of course does that so the beauty is when we're performing our own original songs we're actually getting paid to perform it now it's not a lot of money but it adds up the more that you perform there. So any given year, you know, you could see a few hundred dollars, you know, for the performances you did just for performing your own original songs uh, for a festival. And that's pretty cool, I think. But um, so really, we haven't had any restrictions. Uh, and it's always a question because they're like, well, can you do the Grinch? Because that's kind of, isn't that universal? And then and it's like, well, um, yes, you can because it is a cover song. It is, um, as long as it's registered within, it's the same thing as covering a song. Yeah. Anybody can cover a song if you cut, and it's more right if you do it by paying the royalties to whoever it's covered to. And there's a process to do that. And it's not very difficult. So many places do it, um, automatically for you and other places will just, um, they'll, they'll charge a fee and they'll say, we'll make sure that all the royalties that come in from that song go to the percentage that's supposed to go to that artist goes to that artist. The performing that the percentage that goes to you for your version of it goes to you. And, and yeah, so we we actually have not had any trouble performing any of those songs there. Tell me a little bit about the psychology that goes into building a set list, whether it's Ooh. for Disney or whether it's uh, at a theater when you're touring what is that process like for you? Ooh, let me tell you. So this is probably, it has been one of the most back and forth things uh, for years. I would say I made the set lists up until two or th two, maybe two-ish years, three years that Sean O'Kelly was in the band. And um, I would sit down and my goal is to I call the powerhouse three is always our opener powerhouse three is like, what are we going to just bam, make a statement with after the three we depending on the type of event, we'll either take it into something more mellow 
where you could just take a breath and relax or right in the middle where it's just like, okay, we don't want to cool you down too much. So we're going to keep it right here in the middle and just move it. And so to me, the same way that you ride a roller coaster at Disney or anything, and it's got its moment, it's got its, you know, the, you know, the build up, the anticipation, and then the boom, the release, and then the big spins and the fast parts, and then the middle section, and then ooh, what are we going to do? And then all of a sudden you're spinning and then flash, you got a big photo for the end, and then that's it, right? I, I picture it the same exact way. It's like you want to build an experience for people when they come to listen to the show, watch the show, whatever, dance to the show. It's Dancing is a lot more complicated set list than it is than doing, per se, like the Food and Wine Festival or the Christmas Festival. When we do the Saturday night dances, we have to keep in mind that people want to dance every single song. And if we perform too many high-energy, fast songs they're not going to want to dance, then they won't be happy because the whole reason they're there is to dance. Yeah. So you have to keep that in mind and you got to give a good balance. Like we could still do. So some of our songs, if you ever watch on a Saturday night at Disneyland is will be slightly slower, not too much slower, but just slightly slower than what we would do at like food and wine festival, food and wine festival. You've got 25 minutes to really just like, surprise you know and, and get everybody into this moment and you still ride this you know the ups and downs of it but um every gig has its own uh, mission that we're trying to accomplish and so for example if it's a club um i think of it like school dances back in the day in school dances you know, it was always boom, 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 boom. And then you got your slow dance. All right, this is your chance to get on the floor and do a slow dance. And then boom, 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 we're out, right? Yeah. And so if we play a club, that's the same thing. It's like we don't do many slow songs in there. If we're performing swing dances, absolutely, there's going to be a bigger variety. You're going to hear a lot more softer side of Fat Cat Swinger. But we don't soften down too, too much as well. Because at the same time, we want to do it the way we do it. So that eventually the people who are there are there because they want to dance to the style that Fat Cat plays. And then the next week they dance to whoever else is there who covers that style. And I always love how all the bands have different styles. So I say, you know, if ever I get a complaint, I say, well, you know, next week so-and-so is going to play and they're going to cover all the songs that you wish you would have heard tonight. <laughs> you know, because <laughs> we're going to just be us. I, I don't really like changing what we do because you don't like it. Pardon me for saying, but... We are us, and we are going to do what Fat Cat does. And Fat Cat is a party band. Fat Cat is a bring-everybody-together band, a high-energy band. It says it in our description every time, yeah. you know. And it's like we bring that style and the pizzazz and the visuals and everything. And that is the goal of a Fat Cat, is to bring an uplifting experience to everybody. So we don't want to change that much. And that's why sometimes we'll even say no to gigs that don't fit what we would do. Uh, we'll recommend it and we'll say, you know what? It's not that we don't like that. It's just that that's not our MO. So let me recommend this person because they actually love doing that. And and that would fit your gig so perfectly. And so we send a lot of gigs to a lot of friends whenever it doesn't fit. You know, whenever we know we're not going to fit. And, yeah. um, and and that's okay because I just love, I love helping out all our friends, you know. I'm glad you have that camaraderie because I feel that music art and you know these types of industries they're so cutthroat when it comes to i need to make sure that i'm working i need to make sure that this that people forget that 
you kind of have to help each other out because like yeah. you said, you may not fit for this project, but you may fit for something else that that person doesn't fit into and they might want to recommend you. Mm-hmm. And there was a saying that I learned a long time ago that I recently heard again uh, that kind of made me chuckle because it reminded me of this moment. It's, I think, God, what is that saying? Um, it's like the the necks that you step on on the way to the top are yeah. connected to the rear ends that you kiss on the way back yes. down or something like that. <laughs> I'm, I'm paraphrasing. I don't remember it exactly, but uh-huh. uh, I, you understand what I'm talking about. I get it. And I, and I kind it. of feel like that's the case here, right? You have to help each other out and you have to build that camaraderie so that you yeah. can build yourself together. Right. There doesn't need to be a competition. It's it's there's There's enough work for everybody. And only if you have that mentality of scarcity, it's like, are you going to feel and see that? But if you open your eyes and look around, there's work. There is an opportunity. There is a place for everybody. You just, you, you, you got to, might have to work a little harder to find your place sometimes. Yeah. And it's really opened up when you think about how things like YouTube or TikTok or Instagram has really opened the doors for new artists to really be seen that's something that was so difficult for others to do in years past that, I mean, how, how do you think it would be different for you, for Fat Cat and the projects that you work on if all of that technology was available to you before? Ooh, <laughs> gosh. Well, I'll tell you, the first demo that Fat Cat ever made, we did it with one of those big, fat, old, you know, computers the big bulky ones and it was you know i don't know less than 100 megabytes of space <laughs> and we recorded the first demo on that and it was enough it was enough to get us to the next level because it was that single though it was three three or five songs that we did and it was i mean it's a terrible recording i but i love it though because of how terrible it is and what I did was I took that demo so proudly and I was I took it to the guys of Big Bad Voodoo Daddy and I said, let me show you this. This is what we're doing. And they're like, wow, this is this has got some potential. It reminds me of so-and-so and this and that. They're like, look, if you guys make a CD, then we will let you open for us. And I was like, <gasps> done. Whoa. And there was my mission. I was like, guys, we have an opportunity. We need to make a CD. It needs to be professional. So it's like, even with just the little bit that we had, we made it work. And it was like, and that's why I think like today, I can't believe it. Like just the amount of technology we have, you can even record just something on your phone, whether it be it GarageBand or voice memo, and it can be of decent quality. And I have heard people, even like, you know, Phineas, uh, Phineas who uh, produces with uh, uh, Billy, Billy Elish, uh, the brother, sister. Yeah. He incorporates actual voice memos that he has recorded into some of the songs that he d- does. And he does it all on Logic. And it's like, these are now free programs. I think it's amazing. I think there's like limitless opportunities. And if you have a phone, you don't have an excuse. <laughs> Yeah. To not be trying to make something because it's your 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 print shop, your Photoshop, everything. It's just your drive and your creativity and your willingness to go through and figure it out and make it look as professional as you can at that time. And whatever that is, that's okay because that represents you at that phase in life. If you keep it up, it'll get better. And that's that's the cool thing about it. So I, I love that there's so much technology and 
you know, we utilized what we could at the time. And uh, gosh, if we had it even earlier, I can't imagine what we would be making today. <laughs> yeah, the barrier to entry is certainly, uh, it, it certainly you know, lessened over time. And I feel like that, like in photography as well, I feel oh, that yeah. phones have gotten so good at what they do that, you know, I've worked really hard at learning the ins and outs of how to use uh, a camera but then now when iPhone's like, don't worry about it, just hit this button, it'll do it all for you. It's all good, man. I know, they keep getting better. Yeah, and it's so crazy because at first it really bothered me because I felt I was being cheated out of an experience that I worked so hard for. Mm -hmm. And then I started kind of checking myself and thinking, well, this is just a challenge because I don't want to be the guy that just hits a button. I still want to have some artistic value to the things that I do. Now it's just become a challenge to make sure that what I'm shooting looks better than the stuff that's taking one shot to do. Mm -hmm. Now, some people might look at that or hear that and think, well, you're dumb because you're working three (laughs) times more than other people. But in any craft, it's not about the work. It's about the passion that you're putting in behind it. Like with you, I feel that music, like you're talking about how your grandmother would play the guitar and your aunt would harmonize with her. I feel that music for a lot of people becomes this spiritual experience where it just transcends you onto different planes of life. And I want to talk a little bit about your upcoming project shortly because I feel like that's part of what's happening with you. Mm -hmm. Uh, Describe how music does that to you and how it's been influencing what you're doing throughout the pandemic. Well, gosh, uh, as I mentioned before, growing up, I was exposed to a lot of popular music through my dad. The, um, you know, the, the, the really old vintage stuff through my mom. And then the stuff I probably never would have heard without hearing my grandma. So there's just variety of influence that has been around me my entire life. And then not to mention the stuff that I liked growing up and that my friends liked and they introduced me to. Um, so as the pandemic came, I was before it, before it, I was actually, believe it or not, in the Caribbean on a cruise of, of all places to be <laughs> on a cruise was my last gig and uh, uh, that year this year I should say was supposed to be one of the biggest grossing years for financially for me for the band for a lot of reasons a lot of things and it was like oh great you know lots of the all this great stuff we've been working for all these years is finally going to happen and then and then boom, obviously March 13th, I think it was. And and then, all right, we're going to close for two weeks. And then we're going to, oh, we're, we're extending it. And and it was like, oof. And I've got friends around me. Some of them are panicking. Some of them are not. Some of them are like, man, I need to get out of the country before they don't even let us go anymore. So a couple friends, you know, went to visit family in other countries because they knew they could stay there and get work and not have to spend a lot of money on rent when they're not going to be making any money. So all of this is happening. And, and here I am still pushing, pushing what I've always done for fat cat. And, uh, but then I start to feel like a sense of burnout because then I feel like I'm kind of, because I don't see all my, my guys anymore and we're all alone. I start to feel this almost burnout because it almost feels like I'm just doing it alone because I'm so used to being there side by side with my guys. 
and uh, that's just kind of been the way it's been my whole life. When I was 14, I was in a band that was like a seven or eight piece band. Fact has started when I was 20, and I've had that since then. And um, and it's always been this you know big group of guys, and I've always just loved that. Right now, it's just me by myself, and I'm like, man, I can only connect with them through the internet. So we're doing our Instagram lives, and I try to bring them on one at a time through there. And then I just hit this moment of like, I gotta, I gotta, like, I gotta take a break. Um, because I'm working and working and right now, like all the income I was going to have this year and the band was going to have this year is gone and it's not coming in. I'm doing all the work and not seeing any of the income. Um, you know, not qualified. It took a long time for me to qualify for unemployment or anything like that too. I was one of the ones that just wouldn't uh, get anything. And, and so I'm just starting to feel like this sense of like, gosh, what is everything coming to? And then um, I asked one of my guys, hey, would you host the the Instagram live for like a month? And if you want to continue it after that, cool, maybe we can rotate, but I need like a month off. The first episode he did, he geared it around songwriting. And I watched it and I was like suddenly inspired. And I said, you know, uh, why not? And that was one of the things that one of the guys said on the show. He goes, why not? Like, what's the worst that's going to love? What's the worst that'll happen? And, uh, and the other day I saw a meme that said, I started asking myself, what's the best that could happen? And I thought, well, that's a pretty cool thing to say. Yeah. But, um, so I, I'm, I, I went, I just went for it. And that week I wrote three songs and I, <clears throat> and I thought, Wow. Like I, I finally broke what what broke the dam that was building, holding everything back. And, and I think a big thing that I was afraid of was I felt like I had to do what I've been doing for the 18 years. I had, I felt like I had to do what I've been doing with Fat Cat for 18 years. And it was hard for me to get out of that. But things outside of that have been a part of me my entire life. It's just that Fat Cat has been the thing that has given me a career an opportunity is taking me around the world, right? And in the same way you mentioned earlier, <clears throat> you've got these shirt designs that you want to do, but they don't always fit, you know, your podcast, right? Well, but that's still a part of you because that's part of the influence that you have, right? So I started to give myself permission to branch out beyond Fat Cat. And those three songs were the first things that came to me. And then I started like revisiting songs that I wrote years ago that were half finished. And suddenly they started getting more completed. And then another song came. And then uh, in the summer, we went to go visit uh, Cameron's family for in New York. And in this old farmhouse in the middle of the woods, there's this beautiful old piano that's like from the 1920s or earlier. Completely out of tune. Hire a tuner. I observe... He says, this is going to get out of tune real quick. I go on Amazon. I buy a tuning kit. I start learning how to tune the piano. So I keep this piano in tune and I start writing music with it. And, and I just have, I grow this connection with this piano. And then suddenly more music starts coming out of me as like, again, it's like those portals, the portal of inspiration opened up and I'm like, oh man, because I would go on hikes in the forest and I would just allow myself to completely disconnect from everything that was happening. And that was what gave me the freedom to finally like say it's okay like it's okay like fat cat has done its thing for 18 years and it's not done it's not done and you're allowed to take a break because there's not really much you could do with it right now so why not take the time to do the things that you've been putting aside for yourself for so long and that's what i did um so we were out there for two months in new york 
And uh, I said, okay, when we go back home, we're going to really start recording uh, the final versions of this. So we came back, and the first thing we did was we did a big a Fat Cat Swinger orchestra recording, which was fun, and I couldn't believe that we pulled it off. And and it was everything just went as good as it could have gone, uh, and everyone was so cooperative. Everyone was you know upfront about everything. We had nobody there who had been sick or wasn't like quarantined or anything, um, and so we just we all came together, spaced ourselves out, did this orchestra recording. And I was like, wow. Well, I had a string section uh, that was going to record over the Fat Cat stuff, and I paid them a little extra to stick around and record some of my original stuff as well. And when I heard their reaction, I was like, oh, they like it. Cool. Like, Because when you're working on your own art and it's just you, you're kind of like nervous. What are people going to think? What are people going to say? Yeah. And, and then everyone's like, oh, man, I really like that song. Or it reminds me of this. And when they say it reminds you of something... And they mention something that like you look up to. You're like, whoa, cool, you know. And so, um, so I just continued. That gave me even more motivation. And after that session, I still wrote three more songs at least um, that I have to now go back to the studio and record those because what turned out to be something that I was just going to release singles for starting November has turned into an album that I'm going to start releasing. Uh, I'm going to release three singles. I've got the first single going to be in January. Second single in, uh, I'm sorry, February is the first one. March is the second one. April is the third one. And in May, all, you know, if all goes well as according to plan, and it's okay if it doesn't, (laughs) um, that is the plan to release the full album of minimum uh, 10 to 11 songs, which is what I have right now. And who knows if anything else gets written between now and January. Because my cutoff is going to be, you have to be done by whatever is done by January 1st. That's it. And by January, the second week of January, the entire album has to be ready. And then we're going to put it into the the queues and get it ready for launch. And I actually am going to try and um, uh, record it on vinyl as well. Get oh, it on vinyl because cool. I feel like the I want it to be, again, the same way I think of a set list. I want this to be an experience. When you're going to listen to it, there's going to be... Uh, an experience that takes you from beginning to end and uh, they are slightly connected it's not like uh you know back in the day in prog rock when you'd have a song that would literally go into the next however there is some sort of connection between all the songs somewhere either in the lyrics or in a melody or a thing or a riff or something um that takes you and it's I allowed myself to really open up and be vulnerable about writing for experiences that I've gone through in life, be it, you know, things that I've experienced before I ever started Fat Cat, while I was in Fat Cat after. Um, And it's more, for me, it's more about um, just the life that I've gone through and, and the emotions and things, as well as things that I became more amplified during the pandemic uh, that I had to face because the way I see it is like for years I've been running, running and running and not stopping and working and working and going from one gig to the next and hopping on an airplane, playing in London on a Friday night, Malibu on a Saturday afternoon, and then, you know, Los Angeles, you know, back Saturday night and then again Sunday morning somewhere else. And it was always on the go and I was running myself ragged. And, uh, and for that reason, I wrote a song called Slow Down and that is what I'm going to end up calling the album because a lot of this 
may be a bit slower and different than what everyone has expected of me all these years. So it's a whole new chapter, uh, a whole new side of, of my creative side that I'm sharing with everybody. And uh, that's that's the birth of it. That's awesome. Uh, so I so several thoughts. One, I've had the opportunity to listen to a little bit of this, and I'm so thankful that you sent me that. We'll be previewing a little bit of uh, of that uh, later on in the episode. But you know, a few parallels that I that I kind of heard, and then I kind of heard you say right now as well, is that a lot of what you're doing, especially disconnecting from Fat Cat, seems a lot like how a parent has to eventually disconnect from their children because they spend their entire life raising them and Mm -hmm. they don't necessarily forget who they are but it's Mm -hmm. almost like they have to take a step back and then reconnect and say okay i gotta do something for me now i have to take everything that i've worked for everything that i've learned and i have to do me now and i feel like that's what's happening like there's a lot of lessons that you've learned from fat cat from touring that now you're implementing into you. It's kind of like Marco 2.0 that's coming out from this. <laughs> yeah, I like that. That's cool. I haven't thought about that. But yeah, it's it's another side, and that's uh, I think that's essentially. And I might who knows between now and January or May, I might even change the name of the album. But as of right now, the album title is Chapter One. Uh, slow down, and I, I, the way I see it is that everything before Chapter One was almost a prequel. You know, like uh, you got your Star Wars prequels, you know, and 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 then you go into, you know, the one, two and three or four, five, six, however it is. But this is I'm starting it here 38 years into life. <laughs> wow. Well, again, there's so many parallels with, you know, how this just coincides with life. The idea of slowing down and thinking about yourself, uh, connecting with yourself, you know, spiritually or making mm-hmm. sure that you're there and you don't break down, you know, yeah. is, is a that mental stability is something that I, I feel everyone's had to work on this year because we've mm-hmm. been pushed to our limits time and time again. But if you take the opportunity to slow down, you realize that there's still a lot of beauty in life. There's still a lot of things that we can be thankful for. And there's still a lot of things that we can grow doing, learn, you know, progress. And the idea of creating a song list for this album that essentially tells a story, I think goes back a lot to how the albums in the seventies would work. Because Mm -hmm. if you, if you heard one or two songs in the album and people liked them, they played them on the radio, that's great. But there's a lot of albums that you really can't appreciate unless you listen to them all the way through because of the story that they're telling. So I really love the fact that you're following that pattern and you're really paying homage to these story style albums. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of storytelling and and uh, it's funny, I didn't intend to do it that way. It's just that as I listen to it, I'm like, oh, this this kind of fits into this. And it goes, and I'm like, I can actually make this into an album. And and that's that's how that, and that literally just happened maybe, I don't know, a month ago. Wow. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's, it's constantly evolving. That's why I say, who knows what it's going to turn into between now and January. Because um, there's still another month. And I, I'm, you know, constant, this piano that's sitting behind me, I'm constantly uh, sitting at it, writing on it, right, working, playing out ideas, or just re revisiting what I already wrote 
you know, but it, it, those parallels and, and yeah, it, I've, I've been, uh, looking at those albums as well that, you know, that just have the cool, like that, that flow from yeah. beginning to end, be it ELO or Paul McCartney back in when he was just him and Linda, you know, post Beatles and things like that. That's kind of, kind of what I look at it as, as my, my version of I'm exploring beyond what it was that, you know, what that's made me all these years. Right on, man. Well, uh, we have a little treat for everybody listening right now. Uh, why don't you set up the clip that we have? Sure. Uh, so I, I was trying to put together a, a smorgasbord of, of things that give you a look into the album. Um, they are not in any particular order, as I don't have the order of the album yet, but they give you a good variety of where the album goes. You hear some of the influences. Some of them that I included are still in their demo mode, and i got to take them to the studio and finish recording them. But all this stuff I've recorded either here at home or I took somebody into the studio and, you know, we, we had them record. Like Anthony recorded the drums on most of the, on most everything you'll hear. Um, otherwise, or it was just me on the piano and singing. And, um, and my favorite addition to what we've done is bringing in a string section. So you'll hear that, I think, in the first song and one of the other songs. Um, but yeah, there's, this is about seven clippings of the 11 songs that will be on the album. So... Uh, yeah, thanks for allowing me to share this. Yeah. All right, so here we go. This is the first look, the first listen of Marco's upcoming singles and album coming out tentatively May 2021. Here we That's go. Right. A place we just don't know.
loving this, man. You know, thank you. I, throughout every one of those songs, I, I do feel that there's influence from a lot of artists spanning all the way back to the 50s. There's a little bit of that crooner sound from the 20s and 30s. But there's a lot of this like pop rock that's happening from like the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s. There's a lot of the replacements in there. There's some Beatles in there, Brian Adams. Like I feel it's coming from so many places. Absolutely, it really is. And uh, I like I like I said uh, even at the earliest part of the show was how you know developing the Fat Cat sound or my own sound on sax. It all comes from borrowing from everything that I've grown up listening to my entire life. So this music, I don't even want to say that, because honestly, none of the songs, it's not like I actually, with these songs, what I like about it is I didn't try to write anything um, for the sake of writing because I wanted to sound like so-and-so. I actually just wanted to write something and it turned into what it is. And so I feel like subconsciously, everything became those sounds that you hear but it certainly i would say it wasn't born of the idea of like oh i want this song to sound like you know david bowie or brian adams ryan adams or anybody it was like i, I just wanted to i wanted to do this and then after i wrote it i was like oh it kind of feels like that maybe i should change it just a little bit and so so i would do that just a little bit but then i stopped doubting myself and i was like just let it be just let it be and whatever it is it's going to be and people like it or they don't and and you just make it honest and do you and that's that's my goal with this and and getting it out it's just letting it be me and all the pieces of me as that uh, one song that is actually titled pieces of me and it's it's this is all the pieces of me coming together to introduce to you Marco Palos. That is fantastic. Uh, <laughs> I think that's a, a really great way for, for us to end this episode because it's a really great introduction to you. It's a really great introduction to not just the music that you've made in the past, but the music that's coming up. You know, as you begin to find yourself more and more... Uh, I mean, this is, I don't feel like this is a one album thing, not just because I kind of know that it's chapter one, but yes. because <laughs> I, I feel like there's a lot of you as an artist that has really, I don't want to say struggling to get out because I feel like struggling is the wrong word, but I feel that there's this musician inside that's wanted to express himself in a slightly different mm -hmm. way that now you're giving yourself the right to do that. And right. there's 18 plus years of your life that now you're just pouring into music and that's an experience all on its own. And I'm looking Absolutely. forward to what's going to be coming after this. Uh, and I'm looking forward to the album as well, but uh, I'm just so excited for you, man. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to, to share this. This is, it's still pretty new. You know what I mean? It's all, it wasn't even going to become an album until October in the middle of October somewhere when I wrote the, third song of October and uh and it's just constantly evolving and like you said I think I think there will be more and and you're not too far off by saying struggling because it was it was a struggle to let this side come out of me and I just felt that like like you know I felt like I had to do what Fat Cat has done all these years and to just allow myself to break off that's that's been the exciting part of this journey and it's going to continue to be and it doesn't, like I said, it doesn't mean Fat Cat's done, because it's not. Once once we have the time to get back out and we can do things again as a big band, 
Fat Cat will return, and at the same time, there will be Marco Palos, and I hope also Sean O'Kelly and Mark Kapitsky and everybody who's been working on on their own projects as well, you know, during this time, because uh, this has been, as, as hard of a time it's been, it's also been a gift of, of discovering ourselves even more, more be, beyond what we were allowing ourselves to be. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that's a really positive note for us to end this podcast on. Uh, before we go, Marco, tell everybody how they can connect with you. Tell everybody what you have coming up. I know that you're going to be starting up some cool Fat Cat Swinger stuff oh, very soon. Right. Yes, sir. Okay, well, um, no matter where social media goes, you can always find me at marcopalos.com. That's M-A-R-C-O-P-A-L-O-S.com. And on that, I will always make sure to link my social medias. So for now, it's Instagram and Facebook. And, uh, you know, occasionally TikTok and all that, uh, but we'll see where it goes. Uh, but yeah, always look up marcopalos.com and that'll take you to the socials. But on social, it's the Marco Palos, uh, M-A-R-C, uh, the T-H-E-M-A-R-C-O-P-A-L-O-S. And then uh, uh, you could also follow Fat Cat Swinger, which is P-H-A-T-C-A-T-S-W-I-N-G-E-R. And Fat Cat did uh, what we call season one of Instagram Live, and we did uh, weekly episodes every Wednesday night. We are going to be starting that up again, but instead of Instagram, we're moving it to YouTube, and we're going to do it on the 9th of December. I, I think that's the first Wednesday, the second Wednesday of the month. Uh, yes, December 9th will be the first night back, and we will be streaming live on YouTube. Mark Kapitsky and myself will be hosting the show uh, together, and um, that is going to be, we're, we're going to be hosting it weekly for uh, what we're going to call Season 2, however many episodes that turns out to be. And we're going to be bringing a lot of guests, uh, guest performers, uh, you know, fellow Disney friends. We're going to be doing some interactive games on there as well, giveaways, uh, heck, we're even going to be giving away an actual, um, like a photo shoot, be it with your family, or if you have a solo project you want to kick off on your own, we're going to be uh, giving away a big photo shoot after, it'll be like our big of the month giveaway. But we've always got stickers and, and stuff that we like to send out to everybody, pins and whatnot, just to kind of bring the whole family and community together. So, um, you know, the whole family is welcome to watch. It is a family-friendly show, and it will be on YouTube on Fat Cat Swinger Tube. And uh, we will always be promoting it on Instagram, Facebook, and all. But uh, that's about it. All of the links to what Marco was talking about will be in the blog post for this episode over at podcasters.com slash 337 if you want to go take a look at that. Make sure to head back to the blog post so that you can see that version of Pure Imagination that we were talking about early in the episode. Yeah. And Marco, thank you so much for joining me today. I had so much fun Dude, talking to you. It was a pleasure being here. I appreciate the invitation. And I'm so, so happy that we actually got to do this. Yeah, finally. man. This is something I've <laughs> been wanting to do with you for a while and i'd love to have you back maybe we can get sean in on the next one and we can tell yeah. some some of the war stories of traveling together and the... <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh sean has a, sean and i have a very very fun story let's just bookmark this one remember to talk about the serbia story because oh. that is just one for the books it deserves its own either miniseries or movie. It's hilarious. It's fun. It's a quite the Well, adventure. there we go. That's a <laughs> teaser for the next time that you're on the podcast. So <laughs> until next time, keep dreaming, keep moving forward, and always remember to pass on the magic. Have a fantastic week, everyone. Bye.